Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. I know I haven't been with you in a few days. It's because you might know as you're listening to this that today we launched the Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show, which is on a, over 400 stations. And I trust you'll be able to listen to that, too. And remember, if you miss it, you can always listen to the podcast. But we're on, well, wherever you are across the country, pretty much, there's a radio station that reaches you with that show. So you can listen live if you like. And I appreciate all the well wishes from the last week. Uh, I was out, but I was really preparing. I wish I could say I was on the beach drinking a margarita or five and hanging out and having a good time. But really, I was just thinking about today and coming back to this uh, this show and doing the history podcast that I've been pl- uh, planning on doing. A lot of things now are all lined up and ready to go. So. Uh, we want to continue to grow this podcast. It'll be every day, Monday through Friday, as per usual. This will just be the Buck Sexton Show. You'll be hearing from me doing the podcast as you've been used to it. And then for radio purposes, obviously, it's the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect yourself online. Your online data and online identity is constantly under attack. That much we know. Big Tech is looking for ways to withhold and use your information to sell. So what's the best way to keep your privacy and operate in business and your personal life when you're doing anything online? Introducing Secure, the 100% privacy and security-focused instant messaging and email platform located in Switzerland. Why Switzerland? You're probably asking, why Switzerland? Well, that's the country with the world's strictest data privacy laws. Switzerland is more into protecting individual privacy online than any other country out there. Secure, S-E-K-U-R, okay? Secure is hailed by privacy advocates globally in the assurance that their data is truly kept safe by proprietary technology, independent platforms, and military-grade encryption methods. Your data is yours alone. Secure does not data mine, use, or sell your data. Experience the ultimate freedom online by knowing your privacy is not in jeopardy because of the prying eyes of big tech it's time to take back your privacy welcome to secure go to s-e-k-u-r.com that's secure s-e-k-u-r.com make sure you use the coupon code buck for one week free and 25 percent off again coupon code buck when you go to secure s-e-k-u-r.com regain your online privacy today. So over the weekend, I see this initial reporting on the Fort Lauderdale Pride Parade attack. That's what was being said. And I initially thought, hold on a second. What exactly happened? You look at the incident. I mean, the very earliest reporting on the incident was there was one person killed, another person really seriously wounded, and that a, a pickup truck had driven into the parade. And you had the mayor of Fort Lauderdale saying that this was clearly a terror attack. That's what we were told. Right, right away, jumping to this, Mayor Dean Trantalis said this was a terrorist attack against the LGBTQ community. He came here to destroy people. This was clearly no accident. Well... It turns out it was entirely an accident that the the individual uh, involved here, it was a terrible tragedy. He essentially got his foot 
jammed up and hit the accelerator when he meant to hit the brake, and he ran into a few people. He was a member of the uh, the chorus, the Pride Chorus, uh, in the area and had a pride flag on his truck and I believe a pride T-shirt on, too. He was a participant in the parade celebrating and he had a terrible accident. And look, it's it's a tragedy. Make make no mistake about it. I mean, it's it's a horrible thing that happened. But can we all just see it as a tragedy and understand that this was an accident, a terrible accident, as happens with cars every day all across America? Uh, this is something that just occurs, right? In this case, of course, it, it hurt people that were supposed to be in a state of celebration. And and that's why I understand psychic uh, from a, a psychological perspective, it does more damage. But why was it immediately politicized? Why was there a, a rush before even the initial facts would have indicated that this was a, a reasonable position? You had people saying that this was a, you know, a, a right wing Trump supporter, a, a hate crime attack. And somehow they even managed to online on on Twitter to transition it into death Santis. Hashtag death Santis, as though Governor Ron DeSantis had anything to do with any of this. I mean, it, it gets so crazy so fast. And I understand that the media wants to just say, oh, sorry, I guess we made a little and they're not saying sorry. They're just issuing some corrections. I guess we made some mistakes on this one because they all report. They find one person, the mayor, Dean Trantalis, and then they all report that it's a terror attack right away based on on what exactly. I mean, you look at the fact pattern. It just didn't add up. But they all report on that because that's what fits with the idea in their head that members of the LGBTQ community are under constant threat from right-wing Trump supporters. Never mind the fact that there are a lot of LGBTQ folks that I know who are Trump supporters themselves. Just just put that aside for a moment. Here you have an instance where the narrative superseded the facts right away, and the whole point is that for the media apparatus, there's no downside to this. They much prefer to jump to the conclusion that's going to please their audience. They much prefer to be in a place where they can immediately feel like their political ideology has been validated, right? That's, that's their belief. That's their, their move, their decision. And so when the facts come in, it turns out it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a close call. Remember, I used to work in terrorism counterterrorism in the United States. I worked for the NYPD Intelligence Division and had been a CIA officer for years before that. I was really just on a temporary assignment at the NYPD. I was a, I was CIA, and uh, that was my, my career in the counterterrorism center. And I remember we would look at, at these different incidents, and there were these indicators and markers. And in, in this case, the first two lines of the story indicated that, that unless someone had gone you know, deep cover as a member of the LGBTQ pride chorus uh, and and wore a pride flag and pride shirt and the whole thing and then ran into one person. You know, if it was 50 people or something, which has happened to these other terrorist attacks, God forbid. Uh, but if it's something like that, you'd say, well, yeah, this is clearly intentional. One person was hit by the car uh, fatally. Another person hit uh, seriously, uh, you know, severely injured. And yet 
they initially they run out with this story. Why? Because they've trained their audience. And this is the, the key point of it all. They've trained their audience to believe that there is a constant threat right now from the right in this country. The same reason you hear about the insurrection and the insurrection is constantly. They're always making people believe that the right wing is responsible at any moment in time. The right wing is is about to engage in another terror attack or engage in another insurrectionist act or whatever it may be. They wildly exaggerate and and they do so intentionally. I mean, they they exaggerate the threat that the country is under from even actual and there are actual white supremacist terrorists, no question about it. But the threat is exaggerated because it is a not just a justification for the disdain that the left has for people on the other side of the political spectrum. But it's also used in very real ways as a justification for the kind of oppression you see from the apparatus of the state and and the government itself. Uh, The FBI under Biden, for example, now is just full of of a kind of frenzy around the threat of another insurrection and the white supremacist Trump supporter terrorists and all this stuff. So they have to keep this narrative alive because then that's the justification you see for acts that are at at a minimum, you'd say, you know, it seemed like there's a two tiered system of justice. I mean, you start with that before you start thinking about how far we are really from a more Marxist leaning authoritarian regime in this country. We're not there yet, but which direction are we trending in? I mean, when you have people who are being held in solitary confinement as so-called insurrectionists for the crimes of trespass and vandalism, which is currently going on, perhaps uh, assault against a police officer, which is a a standard operating procedure, as you know, for a lot of left wing activists in BLM. When people are being held in solitary for months on end because the judge claims that their release could lead to another insurrection, it's time to ask a lot of questions about what's really happening in this country. There's another area I wanted to ask some things about, and that is how can we think that we have rule of law in this country when you have hundreds and hundreds of rioters in NYC? Remember this? I told you about it. I was living through it last June, about 12 months ago, give or take a couple weeks. You have what I call the purge night, where there were people who were running all over Midtown Manhattan, and, and other places, too, in the Bronx, they were lighting things on fire, but they were running all over America's largest city and destroying things, just breaking windows, engaged in, in mayhem and anarchy in the streets. And I remember at the time thinking that they don't believe they're going to be punished for this because the left right now is feeling uh, ascendant. The left feels like it's in a power position when it comes to the national narrative. So they didn't think they were actually going to be punished. And what ended up happening? They were right. Not only did they have no cash bail released right away, that happens all all over the place now. I mean, this this is in New York. This is in many major cities. You commit a crime and you're let out almost immediately. I mean, they just, they process you and then they tell you you'll have a court date at some point in the future. But now the the prosecutorial arm of the government, in this case, Cy Vance. But this is true. It's true in New York. It's true in Philadelphia with uh, Krasner, the D.A., the district attorney there. It's true in San Francisco with Chesa Boudin. 
These are left-wing activists who wield the power of prosecutors. And they do so in political ways. I mean, they do so knowing that their actions are, are highly politicized. And they're proud of it. I mean, they're taking increasingly a pro-police, I'm sorry, a pro-criminal anti-police perspective. That's what they're doing. That is their view of their role. That we've been too hard, the carceral state, as the left-wing activists refer to it, it's just too much. They don't want to, uh, they don't want to perpetuate that system anymore. So what do they do? They send people to prison less frequently for shorter periods of time, regardless of whether their offense really justifies a more substantial prison term. They view this in a, you could say, a, a holistic or a collective sense. Well, maybe these individuals should be punished more severely, but there have been other people before them who were punished harshly. Therefore, it's time to start to even things out now. You could call this criminal justice equity. You know, Now we'll get people who are out of, out of jail sooner or don't go to prison at all. Because we say that the system was was wrong, was evil, was racist, was you name it in years past. So this is this is the mentality of I'm not just talking about people who are out there protesting and and overpaid hack frauds at CNN and MSNBC. I'm talking about the people that are tasked with ensuring public safety and maintaining public order. District attorneys. They're deciding in cities all across the country that they've uh, got a, they've got better things to do than actually prosecute criminals. You know what they really need to do? Turn the police department upside down and, and look for evidence of a of a insensitive joke or, or look for something somewhere to claim that the law enforcement apparatus that they have at their disposal in that city is corrupt. Because this is what the left wants to hear. Again, you're noticing a pattern. The media jumps to a preposterous conclusion and is wrong and is then snippy about it afterwards. Maggie Haberman of The New York Times trashed Fox News initially for reporting on the fact that they were wrong in amplifying the other journos out there uh, were wrong in amplifying the initial claims of a terror attack. And remember, the mayor didn't say in Fort Lauderdale, I think it's a terror attack. It could be a terror. He said it is 100 percent. Well, he was 100% wrong. Do you think he feels at all embarrassed by this? No. No, because you know what he did? He signaled to everybody who saw him, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale signaled that he also recognizes, maybe he was wrong this time, but he recognizes the real threat in this country are the Trump supporters. The real threat comes from the right. Anytime something violent and awful happens, it must be somebody who has a MAGA hat at home. The fact that that's not true, that that's absurd, that that's something you would think somebody who lives in an entirely different universe would believe doesn't matter. They don't care about accuracy. They don't care about the facts here. It's about signaling. It's about political allegiance. And that brings me back to the criminal justice system and what's happening with the dismissal of charges against hundreds of rioters. Now, mind you, there are Democrats who are very quick to tell you how much they want to uphold mask mandates, 
imprison people who you know won't put a mask on or they'll arrest people who won't put a mask on on the plane if they keep refusing you know they'll take them off they'll ban them forever you know they want to strictly enforce those kinds of rules it's about saving lives it's really not though but when it comes to stopping rioting on the streets of a city and assault against a police officer all depends on why the rioters say they were there you know, you riot at one time, one day in Capitol Hill, you're an insurrectionist, essentially guilty of treason. That's what the left wing legal uh, analysts out there. will. That's what they are saying going on TV every chance they get. If you engage in a rolling series of riots that do billions of dollars of damage to American cities, you assault police officers, you throw bottles of urine at them. You hit them with bricks. You try to blind them with lasers. You do all those things. Well, as long as you're saying it's for BLM, as long as you're a member of Antifa, you can't really suffer any consequences. And you know who really suffers as a result of all of this? The people who live in these places. And I understand that for some of you, you're saying flee the cities. And to this, I just want to say... I'm not sure ceding territory to the other side more so than has already happened is necessarily the answer. And this is not just because, as you know, I'm a New York City resident and was born and raised there. It's because the the cities are now becoming such centers of power and control in many states that we lose the whole state as well. You know, you, you want to see the cities, you want to see Dallas and Houston and Austin entirely to the left, the, the population uh, the population center of gravity in those places alone is going to put Texas in play as a blue state. It's just a question of when we've already seen this in Georgia. So seeding cities entirely to the madness of the left uh, is is not the answer. I understand that's it's a thing you'll hear a lot of people say. Now, should people move? Should they leave? Should they go to other states? Yeah, sure. Do what you think is best for you and your family. But to write these places off entirely is to give the left what they want. Because remember, the elites among the Democrats, the, the MSNBC watchers who live in, you know, million dollar homes and up. They're going to send their kids to private school or they're going to go to the public school that is only people who can afford the kind of property taxes that make it effectively a, a, a private school that's called a public school. Right. I mean, they're going to be able to insulate themselves. The Pelosi effect. Do you think Nancy Pelosi cares about what happens to, to people who are working for a living in San Francisco? Do you think Nancy Pelosi stops and says, I feel I feel really badly for the shop owners and and, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to cry in my Hermes scarf. No, she does not. She does not care. She lives in a 10 million dollar plus mansion with views of the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, she's. Like a a medieval, you know, baroness who, yeah, so the serfs are the serfs are starving in the, you know, in the 1100s or something. Yeah, too bad. You know, the castle is still well fed. She's still in charge. In fact, sometimes it's easier to control them because you tell them, oh, well, if you get rid of me, the external enemy will come for you. I guess they didn't have Trump supporters in MAGA hats to worry about in medieval times, but you get the idea. Nancy's not going to change her ways because of the deterioration of the cities. These prosecutors aren't going to change their ways. The only way it happens is if we take power from them. There, there's no degree of suffering for a lot of these leftists that will be inf inflicted upon other people 
That's enough to get them to change. And that's the part of this that I think has been so eye-opening for so many folks. You can't look at it. You look at the crime data, for example, and you say, hold on. How can anyone not see that this is an emergency when we have the worst, the absolute worst homicide and shooting rates in all 50 U.S. cities combined that we've had in over 20 years? And it happened in what feels like the blink of an eye, the beginning of the BLM movement part two. Right. How can anyone see this and not say we've got a big problem here? And that there are people who are really suffering as a result of this. And isn't it fascinating that the left wing that cares to claim so much about uh, low income minority neighborhoods in particular doesn't seem to stop and, and wonder what the narrative of BLM and police evil has done to those same neighborhoods? Are things safer or are things less safe for people who are trying to go about their lives, their jobs? Let have their kids go to school, hopefully in person school again now, though. Not everywhere, not yet. I know we're also past the school year, but we should have had everybody in summer school, by the way. I mean, that just goes to show you in my mind, again, the teachers unions, they they can't do their part. They can't come together and say, you know what, we're going to establish all across the country a, a summer schedule for people and make this happen. No, of course not. Much better to have Zoom classes start again for some of them in, in September, but that's a conversation for another day. The crime situation is something that anyone could look at and say, we understand what's happening here. We should take action, and that means supporting law enforcement, politically supporting them, meaning that you're not going to throw them under the bus at the first instance. You're not going to do what they just did in Portland, where they... Uh, charged an officer with assault for striking a rioter with a baton during one of those many, many, many left-wing riots in Portland. And now the whole, I know they don't call them the riot police, and there's always these different acronyms. You know, in, in New York, it's ESU, you know, Emergency Services Unit. Uh, that's basically SWAT. You know, they don't really use SWAT anymore, although they did make a very bad movie called SWAT, if you remember. And the French gangster, I will give a hundred million dollars to whoever. I'm like, really? Like Pepe Le Pew is putting out a giant bounty on whoever, you know, <laughs> frees him from prison. You will free me right away. I will give you a hundred million dollars. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the SWAT movie, the main bad guy is like this handsome French actor. I was like, this guy is not, and, you know, French, unless there's a guillotine involved, French people just don't sound that scary to me. I'm just saying. All of, when you hear the flap of the guillotine, you're like, oh, okay, this is getting pretty rough. But French actors usually don't uh, don't frighten me. Anyway, uh, they, they are seeing right now what's happening with law enforcement all across the country. You see it in Portland, and it's like they just don't care. Because, again, you know, I told you that it didn't matter. They got the news story wrong in Florida. They showed everyone. Everyone who jumped on that right away shows, yeah, see, we're on watch against those Trumpsters. Those evil, hateful Trumpsters. Uh, the same thing here with the with crime in these cities. Sure, maybe things are getting worse. Maybe people are suffering as a result, and the numbers all bear this out. And disproportionately, this is affecting high crime communities, which are disproportionately in major cities, majority minority communities. Still, doesn't doesn't change anything. They're showing everybody. That they stand, you know, the the pundits and the Democrats. And when I say the pundits, obviously, I mean the left wing variety. They stand with BLM and that's what matters. 
Virtue signaling matters more to a leftist than whether you can safely walk the streets day or night of wherever you live. That's something you should all remember. And that's not going to change, as I've been saying. The consequences that people are suffering from this, all the elites. This is why these stories about, uh, for example, there's a mayoral candidate in, in New York City. She's one of I mean, the primaries tomorrow, so she'll be dumb. But there's a mayor candidate, a mayoral candidate in New York City who is all about defund the police. And she literally pays for private security in her neighborhood. They have their own private neighborhood watch that she pays for. Every month, she, she's paying money to this because she has a rich husband who, you know, is a private equity guy who's worth million. They live in a $3 million house in Brooklyn. And they're paying for their private security force. But they want to defund the police. They want to take your tax dollars, you see. But they want to spend it on social workers, not police. And, you know, if... Uh, you get bludgeoned with a tire iron on your way home from work. You know, that's the price the left-wing activists are willing to pay. Sorry. And I guess it was just your time. That's their attitude. They just don't care. They ju- as a policy matter, it doesn't move them one bit. So that's why the decision not to charge hundreds of these looters, that's all that is. Virtue signaling from the left-wing anti-cop BLM crowd. Drives me nuts. It's just going to get worse, too. They might start to turn it. They might start to not turn it around, but they might tone it down a little bit as we get closer to the uh, we get closer to the midterms. Because if this crime wave nationwide, we're in a nationwide crime wave. If this continues. Might actually cost them control, because what do Democrats care about? The only thing they care about more than virtue signaling is power. Don't ever forget that. If you can take their power away now, now they got a problem. But. You're suffering, please. They think they think they think that America deserves to suffer. We're such a bad country, they believe. So why shouldn't things get worse here for a while, at least for the for the elites? Although, as we know, the elites are always immune to this. But they think you're elite if you're a uh, a Christian male Trump supporter. That's their belief. So another prediction from the so-called experts on COVID. And this, I I don't know what it's going to take for people to see that these so-called experts are just complete idiots and have been wrong over and over again. I I wonder what the actual threshold will be. Now, more and more people have realized that Fauci, as he walks around, I am science. You know, he's doubled down on that over the weekend. He said, attacks on me are attacks on science. He really believes this. He's, you know... He he thinks that there is a direct crossover between Fauci and science as a rule, that there's really no separation, no distinction between these two things. And you say to yourself, well, clearly this guy's a megalomaniac, right? I mean, we, we can at least establish that. There's no way that he can say, I am science, and not have people who are objective and paying attention look at him like, are, are you nuts? But this is the kind of stuff that he says and continues to get away with because he was worshipped by the left. He was absolutely worshipped by them. Remember when the what's what's her uh, governor Whitmer, Whitless Whitmer of Michigan used to do these. Oh, yeah, gosh. Oh, we're just going to lock you down and put four masks on your face and you can't go outside. Don't breathe too much. OK, 
save more air for the other folks because the COVID, you know, she just was giving these horrific press conferences and, and interviews on MSNBC all the time. And this issue became hyper-politicized, I would have you remember, by some of the very same people who in the earliest phases, in the earliest phases of the COVID pandemic, were saying, it's not political, it's not political. They wanted unilateral disarmament on that issue. Oh, okay, they say it's not political, so I guess they must be telling the truth. I, I guess we should just listen to them because they're, they're promising us it's not political, right? And, and I just continue to get angry about this because the more I look at this, the more I understand what really happened here. It's so clear that on the right, there was at least a willingness, a willingness to do this in good faith, right? To approach this as, okay, hold on a second. We'll listen, we'll listen to this guy. I mean, in February of 2020, I was willing to believe the Fouch. You know, I was like, all right, I'll listen to this guy. He seems like he's the expert. You know, when you go into a doctor's office, you don't care what the doctor's politics are. That We're willing to take that approach. For the left, because everything is political, sports, entertainment, food, cultural appropriation, right? You can't make a burrito if you're a white guy in Portland. They'll shut you down. That's a true story, by the way. I believe it was actually tacos, but poor K. Noah, taco truck in Portland, got shut down because of cultural appropriation. You are culturally appropriating because you're a white guy who makes tacos to sell to people that were apparently quite delicious. Anyway. As you know, they politicize everything. Everything is infused with politics on the left because that's their approach. And this is there's a whole other philosophical discussion to be had here about the replacement of God with this state and how this is really just part of the of the rebirth of Marxism here in America. Right. The the left wing authoritarian impulse that comes from a, a Marxist ethos at a minimum. Um, but they replace God with the state and then they have freedom to do whatever it is they, they want to do beyond that, right? We see this now. We see the way the left approaches the pandemic, the way they approach health policy. And we understand right away, we understand that they're not going to stop, right? You guys all get this. They have had so much authority and so much power all along here. Why would they decide all of a sudden that they're just going to Give that power back. They want to keep this in the background. I mean, I just flew into uh, to Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm thinking, hold on a second. Why is it that the only place that I am going through where there is a, a still a mask mania with all they're saying, all the stupid things, mask up between bites, make sure it covers your nose, all this stuff. Oh, it's because Pete Buttigieg, a leftist mayor, a bad mayor at that, by the way, who, because of his you know, MSNBC fame, is now the transportation secretary. Pete Buttigieg, who is a leftist, thinks that you should still have to wear a mask on a plane, even though that means 99.99% of the rest of your life you're going around now unmasked. But on a plane, you got to do it because that's really saving us from what exactly? What's the, what's the point of this? It's idiocy. It's religious belief. But... They still worship at the altar of Fauci, so they're not giving it up. I'm, I'm thinking about this, one, because of the flight issue, but also beyond that, because there's this 
there's this prediction that was made over the weekend by, you know, Rochelle Walensky. You remember her? She was the one that was, I have this impending fear of, of doom. And she said that three months ago. And actually, cases have just gone way, way, way down. Things have been getting nothing but better when it comes to COVID in America for the last 90 days. But 90 days ago, Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, was saying, I'm just like so worried and like mask up, like triple mask, like just quadruple mask, like wash your groceries again, whatever, right? Whatever it was. She didn't say the groceries thing, but that was Fauci a year ago. Uh, Didn't matter that they were so wrong. Now they're saying once again, because they have to find a way to justify the the idiotic policies that are out there. Now they're finding ways uh, to tell you that there will be a uh, or a Delta variant that will not only will this come back and be a terrible thing, of course, but it will rip through the red states. That's what they're telling us. So now they're trying to trying to put pressure specifically on more Republican uh, Republican leaning states. They're trying to put pressure on them. So that the vaccination rates will go up because the bluest states, New England, California, have vaccination rates in the 65 to 75 percent range. There are some red states, particularly in the uh, in the south, where the vaccination rate is more like 30, 35 percent of all people. So they want to change that. Right. Biden said he wanted 70 percent of all Americans vaccinated by July 4th. That's clearly not going to happen. But should it have to happen? Over 70 percent of people 65 and over are vaccinated. And that's the group that we've been worried about all along. That's the group that's at real serious risk from covid by the numbers. Now, we should work to get that number to be as close to 100 percent as those folks want, because, again, it should always be a choice. But I have all along encouraged people, you know, if you're 75 you know, you want to you want to make sure you're around for another 10 or 15 years for your grandkids. You know, I, I think the vaccine makes sense. That said. It's your choice. But if you're 25. We're not going to allow you to live a normal life. If you're 18, we're not going to allow you to live a normal life until you get this vaccine, which, by the way, what happens when the boosters come out? Does then your does your vaccination card no longer work? No one seems to have really thought this through. Well, very few people. Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm a good person. I got the vaccine. Well, you better be ready to get the booster and then the booster after that and the booster after that. Look at the flu season. Year in and year out. What do you have? New flu vaccines that come out. And they're only about 50 percent effective usually. Why won't COVID be something like that, especially given these variants? But the bigger thing for me right now is that they're they're still with this narrative of it's the red states that are going to hit so badly by COVID because they deny the science. It's not true. Not true. In fact, the red states overall have, and Florida, of course, leading the charge as a large populous, not quite deep red state, obviously, but a red enough state, the places that took less extreme measures did better, handled this better overall, right? They actually tried to balance freedom and liberty and the economy with safety instead of just becoming lockdown maniacs. So when they tell you the Delta variant is going to be in the next few months the the thing that we should all be scared of. They've been talking about variants every month for the whole thing. And they're wrong over and over again. So at some point it's remember Bush, fool me once, can't can't get fooled again. It's we can't get fooled again here folks. It really it would be for the 50th time. They keep making predictions that do not come true and then they expect us to abide 
by the next round of mandates based not on on real data, but based on their predictions that come from data. So just please be aware of this going forward. We, our, our COVID fight, I know you're tired of it. I'm tired of it, too. It's not over. All right. I, you still can't fly without wearing a mask the whole time. You can think to yourself, oh, well, that's not that big a deal. But I'm here to tell you that as long as that stays in the background, it's going to make a comeback. This winter, there'll be more. There'll be more cities and places that want to take precautions or preventative measures or whatever. And we have to stamp out this madness because that's what it is. There's vaccines. There's they they say there are 30 million cases confirmed in America, something like that. It's at least 150 million people have gotten infected. I mean, that's that's based on the, the best data sets they have of that would mean they caught and proved with a test one out of five cases. Given that they've also said that 40% of cases are asymptomatic, which I've also always thought was far too high a number, but that was the number they're using. You really think that if there are if if 30 million confirmed cases, you think they caught 20% of all the cases with 40% of cases being asymptomatic? Nah, no way. No way. I want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect yourself online. Your online data and online identity is constantly under attack. That much we know. Big tech is looking for ways to withhold and use your information to sell. So what's the best way to keep your privacy and operate in business and your personal life when you're doing anything online? Introducing Secure, the 100% privacy and security-focused instant messaging and email platform located in Switzerland. Why Switzerland? You're probably asking, why Switzerland? Well, that's the country with the world's strictest data privacy laws. Switzerland is more into protecting individual privacy online than any other country out there. Secure, S-E-K-U-R, okay? Secure is hailed by privacy advocates globally in the assurance that their data is truly kept safe by proprietary technology, independent platforms, and military-grade encryption methods. Your data is yours alone. Secure does not data mine, use, or sell your data. Experience the ultimate freedom online by knowing your privacy is not in jeopardy because of the prying eyes of big tech. It's time to take back your privacy. Welcome to Secure. Go to S-E-K-U-R.com. That's Secure, S-E-K-U-R.com. Make sure you use the coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. Again, coupon code BUCK when you go to secure, S-E-K-U-R dot com. Regain your online privacy today. It wasn't long ago that when we would have discussions about transgender rights, uh, that when you would say things like, what about male-female sports, the left would all immediately shout, that's not going to happen. No, no one's suggesting that you should be able to have men and women competing against each other in the Olympics. That's a straw man. You're using a slippery slope argument. I mean, five, maybe 10 years ago, that was where this was. The same way that 10 years ago, if you brought up, what about kids using uh, the same restroom in schools, male and female, biological male, biological female. Notice we have to use all these qualifiers now because there's transgender male transgender female biological male biological female it used to just be male female of course but now we're told we can't do that anymore well 
if you're ever wondering if the left engages in bad faith argument and part of their plan is incrementalism, it should be very clear to you now that that's exactly what's going on. A New Zealand weightlifter who has competed in men's events in the past will become the first transgender competitor to qualify to be on the country's uh, women's weightlifting team. Okay, so this is this is a big deal. This is from Fox News today, published uh, earlier today. Quote, I am grateful and humbled by the kindness and support that has been given to me by so many New Zealanders. Laurel Hubbard, 43, sent in a statement to the BBC. The report pointed out that in 2015, the International Olympic Committee changed its rules to allow transgender athletes to compete as long as their testosterone level is below a certain level and maintained for a year. The determining criteria, a maximum reading of 10 nanomoles per liter of testosterone, is at least five times more than a biological woman. 5X the testosterone is the standard that they're using here, folks. At least 5X. Some critics insist that Hubbard, who transitioned eight years ago, will still have an unfair advantage when she competes in the women's super heavyweight category in August. Okay, let's dive into this for a minute, shall we? First of all, we all know that biologically men have an advantage over women when it comes to strength. This is why we have gender segregated sports. This is among the most obvious things you could ever discuss or think about. But the left insists on pretending that it's not obvious. Right? Now they've now they've decided, no, no, no. It's it's bigoted, in fact, to point out it's like there's a there's a ban, a fatwa on rational observation. You cannot observe, and this is true all across American life now, according to the left, you're not allowed to observe things. You can't just say, hold on, I'm seeing the following thing. This seems to be a reality based on what I'm observing. No, not allowed. You repeat the mantra, the orthodoxy of the left or else. You tell them what you're supposed to tell them or they call you a bigot. They shut you down. They say it's hate speech. They say whatever. And we're talking about something like this transgender uh, transgender Olympics competition. You know, this this should matter to people. Right. If you care at all about the Olympics, if you care at all about sports competition, you should say, well, hold on a second. Uh, This is destroying women's this women's weightlifting competition will be destroyed as a result of this, because someone is going. I'm sure a lot of people are going to lose to Laurel Hubbard. And then these are people that have devoted years of their lives to this, and it's being taken from them. It's being taken from them again because you see the pattern. It's more important to the left to feel virtuous than to do what is right and to be honest. It's more important for them to come away from this, uh, showing everybody how accepting they are than to respect the efforts and the sacrifices of these female athletes. So you you see, this is how it all really breaks down. There's a judgment call that's being made. No one really thinks, I mean, if you were to ask anybody, you know, behind closed doors, who's not completely brainwashed on this issue beyond recognition, which there are some folks like that, they all know that that a, a man has a advantage over a woman when it comes to things like, Remember, this guy, this this Laurel Hubbard, when Laurel Hubbard was a guy, uh, was a, a weightlifter. 
It's not like this is somebody who was sitting behind a desk, you know, doing actuarial tables and all of a sudden said, well, I'm going to transition and now I'm going to be an Olympic athlete. This individual is a power lifter, was a power lifter as a man and is now to be a power lifter as a trans woman. And this does force that question. What is a woman? You ask a leftist this, and this is frequently posed to them on social media. You ask, what is a woman? What constitutes being a woman? And they get very angry, but they don't generally have a they don't generally have a definition. What, what is, is is a woman having long hair, wearing makeup? No, of course not. Those are just the those are some of the uh, cultural uh, accoutrement of being female in some places at some times. So what is a woman if it's not physical? If it's not a hormonal and science-based reality, if it's purely psychological, then please explain to everybody what constitutes being a woman. But here we have, once again, the way that this all gets pushed, the way that this gets discussed. If you have a problem with this, if you think that someone who was a, a large, powerful male competing against females with at least five times the testosterone, even still, of those females... You're a you're a bad person. That's what they want you to know. You're just a bad person. And if they can get you to bend the knee on this, I understand that for a lot of you, you're like, who? you know, honestly, does anyone even watch Olympic weightlifting? Have I ever watched powerlifting once in my life? I'll tell you the truth. No, I have not. I mean, not in an Olympics. I've seen, you know, clips of it and you know, maybe newsreel footage of it. But I've never sat there and said, yeah, I'm going to watch people lift weights. I'll, I'm telling you the truth. I'm sure some of you, though, especially if you've been a competitive lifter yourself, it matters to you certainly matters to the people who are the competitors in this in this instance. And w- what about those women? I mean, the, one of the fascinating ironies of this is that the left claims to be so pro-women and for female independence and for equity and, and all this, and yet they also are for the erasure, to borrow one of their words, of being female in, in some way, or, or certainly the conflation of female with something that we had not as a species considered to be the basis of being female for all of human history, right? Now, now they've expanded it to, to encompass something else. And the, remember, the people who ask questions about this are, are inherently, they tell you the problem. That's the issue. That's what you have to be worried about. So whenever someone tells you, oh, don't use a slippery slope argument, just remember the left loves slippery slopes. They use them all the time and they get what they want. Incrementalism is the heart of authoritarian policy. It's always just a little bit, you know, just two weeks, just two months, just a mask, just two masks, just a vaccine, just a, right, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. Is the eradication of your freedom piece by piece. All right, thank you so much for being with me today, guys. Tomorrow we'll have some clips and do roll call and things. Today we just kind of, had to get back back in the saddle here with the show. So great to uh, be able to chat with all of you. Remember to go to BuckSexton.com and check out the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show, 12 to 3, coast to coast, 400-plus stations. Until tomorrow, Shields High.